Good morning. It is so good to be with you today, and we're so happy that you're here with us as well. We appreciate all you are visiting, and we invite you to please come back this evening. Lord willing, if you are able, uh, we will assemble at 6 p.m., and our midweek service, regular service, is Wednesday at 7. So we encourage you to come and join us again in the worship of God and the study of His Word. When I preached in Jasper, Alabama, which is some 30 years ago, my office was in the basement of our house, in excellent hearing of my little girls when they're playing outside in the backyard. And like most children, they love to play outside. But that also meant it was an easy access to interruptions. And although I complained about this at times, uh, I have to admit that if they didn't interrupt me, I probably would have interrupted myself and I would have gotten up and checked on them anyway. But then one day while I was working really hard to get some things done, it was one of those days I really need to get this done. Uh, Perhaps it was toward the end of the week. I don't remember what day of the week. That Madeline, my oldest, you know, came, in, came into the office just to chattering and talking and then handed me two little yellow flowers and said, Daddy, preach about flowers. Well, I responded, uh, well, thank you. Uh, and now go outside and play. And so I laid my gift on my desk there and I tried to get back to work. And as I stared at those two yellow flowers, they were not dandelions. I know what dandelions are. But these were not dandelions. And so as I was looking at these two little yellow flowers, I thought how right she was. Madeline was four years old. And so some 30 years later, I am finally preaching about flowers. God's infinite wisdom takes ordinary things, at least things that seem to be ordinary to us because we're surrounded by these things, which in reality, they probably are not ordinary at all if we stop and think about it. And God takes these things and then He plants great truths into our hearts. If we have the eyes to see it, And if you have the ears to hear it. Yes, God created flowers. From the simple flowering weeds in your yard that you try to get rid of. To the exotic uh, plants of the tropics. The beauty in this world points to the truth to the fact that there is an omnipotent and omniscient God. Creator. In Psalm 19, you have those familiar words found in the first two verses of the psalm where it says the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Flowers did not evolve by chance. 
So you look across this globe, across the landscape of our habitation, and we are surrounded by beauty of all different kinds. And the very simple aspect of a flower is a declaration that God made me. The complexity and the beauty of our earth testifies constantly, day after day, that there is a divine maker. And yes, we live in a world and we live in a culture where that truth is denied by a majority in our world. God created flowers. And you think about that idea and the fact that when he created flowers, when the maker of all things made flowers, how did he do it? He spoke. He spoke the entire plant kingdom into existence on the third day of creation. And so you read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after the kind with seed in, in them, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after the kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind, and God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. God spoke flowers into existence. And you think about our world, your yard, and how flowers bring such vibrant colors to our landscapes, and they are like jewels on a necklace of green. But they're not there just for our aesthetic enjoyment and appreciation, they are essential. They are essential to the balance of life and the natural realm that God brought into existence. And so you go down a list of a number of, of reasons why flowers are important. The nourishment for animals, output of oxygen, shade, shelter, reducing of erosion, and the list goes on. God created. And God created flowers. And as you stop and think and you admire them, but you begin to look at the complexity of that design, that's the God that made you, and that's the God that made me. But also, when we consider the subject of flowers, another thing that you know, I found very interesting is the fact that God orchestrates details. In Exodus chapter 25, in Exodus chapter 25, God here is instructing Moses to build a sanctuary. And that is being built so that God may dwell among the people. In the 25th chapter, verse 8, as he's speaking to Moses, he says, Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. According to all that I'm going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishing, just so you shall construct it. 
And you begin to have the unfolding of that instruction to us in the following verses and chapters. And you get down here into around verse 31. And you think about this idea. God did not just give His people, the Israelites, free reign to make and do whatever they wanted to do when it comes to worshiping Him. God did not leave them that prerogative. He did not leave them with that liberty just to do whatever they want to do and to make whatever you want to make for me. No, God is into details. And so down to the very design and the placement of flowers. Of flowers on the holy golden lampstand that stood in the tabernacle and the temple lit. And so you read here in the 25th chapter, then you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. And the lampstand and its base and its shaft are to be made of hammered work. Its cups, its bulbs, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. Six branches shall go out from its sides. Three branches of the lampstand from its one side and three branches of the lampstand from its other side. Three cups shall be shaped like almond blossoms in the one branch, a bulb and a flower, and three cups shaped like almond blossoms in the other branch, a bulb and a flower. So for six branches going out from the lampstand, and in the lampstand, four cups shaped like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers. God is into details. And He orchestrates those details. And part of the detail of the pattern that they were given is the fact that he wanted flowers used. And I would suggest to you that he was teaching them about sanctification. Every aspect of the tabernacle and the temple and all that they were told to do and how they were to do it and what they were to do with it later on, all of that was teaching them about sanctification. That they were being challenged, they were called to treat God as holy by doing exactly as He had directed. And so it is true for us as well. We're not called to build a tabernacle and we're not instructed to, to, you know, to, to make this golden lampstand and use it in our worship. But we are instructed about worship and we are instructed about the spiritual temple of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all the details that that is composed of. God is into details. And so the intricacies of each flower, you think in the world, all its parts and and all its uniqueness are not without God-ordained purposes. God doesn't do anything. God doesn't instruct man in anything haphazardly. God orchestrates details. You think about that in regard to the lampstand here and everything else associated with the tabernacle and the temple. But what about you and me? What God has ordained for us, what God has instructed us, what God has commanded us is not inconsequential. That is, failure to do What God has told us to do has consequences. 
There are consequences when we don't adhere and follow and respect the details that God has communicated to us. Jesus Himself said in the Great Commission of Matthew, when He's directed the apostles to go and preach the gospel, He says, and you make sure you teach them what? You teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Are the words of Jesus important? Yes, they are. They are very important. And we need to respect every word, every dot, and every tittle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The temple of our bodies, the temple of our lives, the temple of our family relationships, the temple of the spiritual body of Jesus Christ, the Lord's church, God has orchestrated details in all of those relationships. And He expects us to listen. And He expects us to learn. And He expects us to practice it, just as He has said. And the flower that you enjoy is a reminder of the fact that God put every detail in that blossom. He also uses flowers to warn us To warn us about worry. Picture a scene of a multitude on a Galilean mountain at the feet of the master teacher Jesus Christ. Turning their gazes to take notice, perhaps of what they hadn't noticed. But to take notice, particularly at this moment, of a slope dotted with flowers and birds flying above. And so, in Matthew chapter 6... Reading there, verse 28 and 29, and he says, Why are you anxious? Why are you anxious about clothing? Observe. Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, that even Solomon, even Solomon in all his glory, and Solomon had glory. And so even Solomon, all his glory, did not clothe himself like one of these. Jesus goes on to say in the same passage, just dropping down in verse 31 and 32, where he says, Do not be anxious then. Do not be anxious or do not worry. For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. In spite of the fact that you know, we live at a time that you know, we enjoy a lot of modern conveniences and we are blessed with great prosperity, anxiety and worry still afflict man. Man hasn't changed much, has he? The same things that worried them in the days of Jesus are the same things that worry us. And so this is, a, this is a, a very important lesson for all of us to learn in every generation. The fact is that we are too often anxious. We are too often worrying about the wrong things or caring and concerned about the wrong things. Think about it. We worry way too much about our houses and our vehicles. 
We worry too, way too much about our clothing and our food, even our health, our jobs, our retirement, you name it. The list probably can go on and on and on of all the things that we worry about in life. And so we still need to learn this lesson, don't we? A lesson that he illustrated with a flower on a Palestinian slope. The ancient lesson of not worrying about the stresses of daily concerns, daily cares, because sometimes we care too much about the wrong things. And Jesus simply says, God made all the flowers. And God takes care of all the flowers. He'll take care of you too. God made you. God made me. But when He made you and me, He made us different from the rest of the created universe because when He made us, He made us in His own image. How much more of value are we than to everything else that is His handiwork. He knows. He knows you. And He knows me. He knows our needs. He is well aware of what we need in life. And He knows how to give us what is good. He knows what is most beneficial for us. If God made the flowers and He allows them to grow and show their beauty and we appreciate and benefit from all of that, will He not also take care of you? Sun and rain. Sun and rain come. Why? Because God. That's why. Because of God. He knows you. He knows me. And Jesus says, don't be like the rest of the world. Don't be like the world that worries about all the wrong stuff. God can and God will take care of you. He will not abandon or forsake His children. Trust Him. Even on the difficult days. Trust Him. Even when you're tempted to worry. He knows you. And He knows what's best for you. God also teaches through flowers about the brevity of life itself. You think about the idea of God's truth possessing you know, the special quality of expressing such great truths, such spiritual concepts within the framework of our physical environment. In 1 Peter, the apostle writes in the first chapter, verse 24-25, All flesh is like grass, and all is glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, and the word of the Lord abides forever. This is a quotation from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, which is the transition chapter of the book, as Isaiah now is, has been instructed to begin to comfort the people of Judah, to comfort Jerusalem, God's people. 
And as that comfort begins to unfold, the first thing that he then says after that instruction is, is a messianic promise that a voice will cry in the wilderness, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And so you have a messianic promise is the very first thing as a message of comfort. And following that message of comfort about the work in the ministry of John the baptizer would accomplish. You have these words that Isaiah is directed to say. All flesh is like grass and all its glory, like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. God is faithful. God's word is true. No matter how many years later it may happen, it happens as God says. You can count on that. And you think about that idea of how a flower's beauty fades so quickly. And he says, our life is that way. Our lives as men and women is the same. It's fading. We're all fading. And it will end in death if the Lord does not come back in our lifetime. James also touches on the same idea in James 4.14 when he talks about how life is like this transient nature of vapor itself. That's how transient. You know, you can't grasp life and keep it. It's going to slip through your hands no matter what. But God then goes on to say, but I've given you something that will not fade away. Your life is like grass. It's like the flower of the grass. It's going to fall off and it's going to wither away. He says, but I've given you something that's going to last forever. My word. The precious word of God. It is the imperishable word. It is the enduring word. It is the living word. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in the previous verses, verse 22 and 23, the apostle Peter wrote, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but of an imperishable seed. That is, the living and enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this, this is the Word which was preached to you. God has given us something that is not going to pass away with time. And it's the living, imperishable, incorruptible, all-enduring message from God. Culminating in His Son, Jesus Christ. God's Word is the very means by which we have been born again. By obeying that truth, by adhering to that message. And when that imperishable seed finds root in our honest hearts, what does it do? It bears fruit. And it bears fruit to the glory of God. And that's why we're told here in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we need to be longing for it, hungering for this word like newborn babies that can't get enough to eat. Always hungry. 
Always asking for more. And that's what we need to have. That kind of appetite for the Word of God because that's not going to fade away. And so when our, when our legs are not strong enough to keep us aright, when our voices are not strong enough to praise Him in song, as we are fading from this life, there's one thing that will endure, and that is God and His Word. See, God not only takes care of you physically, even more so, God has taken care of you, and God is providing for you spiritually. So you have a resurrection unto life. God explains the resurrection to us by using the development of a seed into a plant, of all things. Here is God. God takes the ordinary. He takes what is familiar to us, and God reveals us insight into what we cannot see, and insight into what we have never experienced. And the fact is that a seed, when it is planted, changes and then it becomes something different. It becomes something more glorious than it was in the form of a seed. And so in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and you look there in verse 36, and he says, That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as He wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. The glory of every flower begins how? The glory of every flower begins with something that looks so different. A mere seed. And so what is put in the ground is not the end product. And so God is teaching us of the glory that awaits us. Yes, we are like the grass of the field and the flower that fades and falls off. Life is brief at best. Ken Duncan's grandmother's is soon to be 101 years old, Lord willing. But that still is nothing. It's a speck, an invisible dot in the framework of eternity. So short, so brief, even if it's a hundred years of living on this earth. And God says, but there is something better coming. There is something more glorious coming than the glory of this, of this earth. And what you put in the ground is not the end product. And so so it is in the resurrection of the dead, our physical bodies are sown like seed. And it says they will be planted, but they will be raised. They will be raised up and they will be raised up amazingly glorious. And so you continue to look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 through 44, where he says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. 
It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. God made flowers. And he made flowers for a number of different reasons. But one of the reasons that he uses flowers for is to teach us of things that are important for us to know. Of things that we need to be reminded of. He uses the world in which we live, the very world that he created to teach us truth. Truth about life and Godness. Truth about eternity as well. And one of the truths that we see in this creation as well as in His revealed Word is the fact that God loves you. God loves you. That's why you don't have to make the sun and the rain to come. God is already doing that for you. God loves you. He's taking care of you. He sustains your very breath. But that love surpasses that in the fact that He was willing to send His Son to die on a cruel cross so that you may be renewed and come to life again for eternal life. Even though while we're in sin, Christ died for us. God loves you. And God wants you to realize how important it is that you know Him, that you know His Word, that you know His Son, and you know the good news of forgiveness. There's salvation in no other name but Jesus Christ. And if you have not put on Christ, you're still dead in your sins. And in that condition, in that spiritual condition of being dead in sin, you are separated from God, and you are at that moment still without hope of eternal life with God in heaven. But God has orchestrated a plan that makes it possible that each one of us can be saved because He loves us and He offers us His mercy and grace. And all we have to do is submit to His will, believe in Jesus Christ, Confess that faith before men with our mouth that He is God's Son. Repent of our sins. Be buried with Him in baptism to wash away those sins and, to re- and be raised up to walk a new life. A life of faithfulness and submission and glory to Him so that we may be the creation that God intended us to be from the beginning. A reflection of Him in all that we do and say. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, We encourage you to consider very seriously as we are about to sing a song of invitation to sing about your condition, your spiritual condition and in what state you are in the eyes of God. God calls you and wants you to come to Him so you may be with Him forever one day. If we can help you anyway spiritually, invite you, encourage you, please come now. We stand and sing the song that's been selected.